Hello, everyone, and welcome in to episode 37 of the Fused Relativity Podcast. Coming at you as a duo once again this evening. Uh, Sadly, we are short one Kirk. Stupid Kirk got a job, and now he will only be here for like the last 20 minutes of the show. Good for him, though. Yeah. Yeah. Go make that money. Well, John, how are you doing tonight? It's been a busy weekend, or busy week, weekend. The weekend hasn't even started, and I'm already saying it's busy. Been a busy week. I could second that. Things are getting a little hectic on my end of the spectrum, so... It, it's kind of funny that our both of our jobs, for whatever reason... Well, they're both seasonal, which which sounds strange. But your job is definitely seasonal, because you deliver... Sure stuff uh my job is seasonal because stuff likes to uh become more prominent in winter like disease and illness getting into Maybe, a flu season I'm, guess, I'm guessing that's why they created christmas <laughs> you know <laughs> cheer things up in the dark days of winter which i i still haven't adjusted to the fact that it's dark at like five o'clock now Man, that sucks. Eh, I prefer it. That's because you're a vampire. Eh, here nor there. Or raccoon. Both of them like the night. This is true. You know, it could go either way. Well, without Kirk's aside here, I guess we can just uh, jump on into the podcast. Because I... You know, don't have anything interesting to say about the week, so. Well, and it and it leads directly to the the name of the podcast. You spin me right round, baby, right round. Yes, that I'm was not... a good title. <laughs> <laughs> good title for the podcast this week. Uh, we were actually I was clued into our first topic, and it was something that I had never even heard of, but. It was a uh, cool concept, nonetheless. It, it's a company called Spin Launch. And it's exactly what you think it is. Uh, they spin stuff around and launch it into space. Yes. Which... It's a little more, a little more complicated than that. But for the layman, they spin something really fast and then shoot it up into space with no propellant. Uh, not true. So to get it, from what I've read and what I researched, uh, to get it into the atmosphere, they don't use fuel. It is completely done by the the spin launch. The 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 thing that I'm curious about because it said that it only got. They didn't give an exact, but it just said tens of thousands of feet. Which, to me, that seems on the low end, like it only got about 10,000 feet up. You know, somewhere in there. Pikes Peak is uh, 14,000 feet high. Most of our mountains are, or not most of, but a lot of mountains in Colorado are 14,000 feet. Well, and to clarify, uh, these are not, um, so this company isn't, making like a rocket ship that's going to take people. This would be specifically for 
satellites and payloads that are not human. <clears throat> and I did see that they will need, uh, I think that they their goal is to have vacuum engines on whatever they're sending up because they will, of course, need some propellant once they get into space. But their their end game is to have the main launch taken completely controlled of by the inertial launch, I guess, centrifugal launch. Well, it's I came up with a great analogy. It's like the hammer throw. So, you know, if you took a 16-pound, I had to look this up because I wasn't sure. If you took a 16-pound ball and tried to throw it, most people probably wouldn't be able to throw it about 10 feet, if that. Uh, sure. You spin it, you know, you spin around in a circle and let it go, you might get 15, 20 feet. You put it on the end of a rope or stick and spin it around and then throw it, you're going to get, you know, 30, 40 feet. You know, as just an example, I know, like, the, I would assume the Olympic record is, yeah, almost 300 feet, uh, which is insane for a 16 pound ball. But that just shows you how much extra momentum can be put into a something just by spinning around in circles and from my understanding of this it's the same thing it's they spin it around in circles getting it going as fast as as it can go in a vacuum mind you uh this whole system looks like it's in a vacuum and it is in a vacuum yeah and it's kind of funny that when you look at the, the video, which is available on their website, uh, it's it's essentially just like a piece of paper that's stopping the vacuum. That's it. I don't yeah, know. They, have, they have some sort of cover over the uh, exit hole for the whatever they're trying to launch. And once that thing breaks through, it breaks the vacuum. Yeah, it's the same with, um, I don't know if you've seen, but Smarter Every Day made a baseball cannon to get a baseball to go, I believe the whole point was to get a baseball to go Mach 1. That's pretty fast for a baseball. Yeah, or he was trying to get it to go 1,000, or he got it to go 1,700, or 1,000. 74 miles per hour. Uh, and the it's a similar thing. It's it's a vacuum tube with a pressurized uh launch and as soon as the you know you release that pressure the the little piece of paper that keeps the vacuum in breaks and then poof. But it, now, it's, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say so I did a little bit of uh research on this and <clears throat> relatively interesting the arm that holds the payload is 100 meters wide or diameter and i think that's that what they're planning because the the actual or the one they tested does not look 100 meters so 100 meters is a well, football field yes the one they tested then, definitely doesn't look 100. And they, so I guess I was looking at their end game, but 
uh, the the using just electricity, they spin that arm over an hour and a half to get up to 450 RPMs, which is pretty oh. darn fast considering a 100-meter arm going 450 times a minute in a circle. That's, which is 4,500 um, 4, meters per minute. Right, four hundred fifty meters per second. No, four hundred fifty meters, four hundred fifty revolutions or RPM. Yeah, minute. sorry, sorry. So yeah, four hundred fifty yeah. RPM would be forty five hundred. Uh, so yeah, it's going forty five hundred meters per minute. That 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 rocket is traversing the inside the the disc. Right, and then. So there's a few things. Uh, one, this is completely human impractical. There's no way a human could could be launched into space this way because the amount of G-force that is exerted on the object inside the chamber, they said, can be up to 10,000 Gs. I was just uh, about to say, uh, I mean, it's essentially a, a, a centrifugal testing chamber just ramped up. But yeah, 10,000 Gs is... Is a little bit on the the make humans go liquid side. Yeah, they said it would uh, essentially separate you from your flesh. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's about right. Yeah. You just kind of dissolve. So my goal is to not test that. I don't care what they tell me. <laughs> yeah, but and the... uh, oh, I ahead. was gonna I was I was gonna add too that the other thing is when the thing comes when it shoots out. Uh, which is even more impressive because they literally have to launch this thing at the exact right time to hit, you know, release it so that it goes out the exit hole. Yeah, and... but that's that's easier with computers and all of that stuff. But I think it comes out at like Mach six, if that's I good. remember correctly. If if the numbers are correct and it's going forty five hundred meters per minute. Um, the exit velocity would be like 270,000 meters per hour, which sounds insane. Yeah. And so there's a few things that they have to, you know, tinker with because things coming out of things that quickly, uh, is a little unpredictable. So I, I have to look this up because there's a story. We've already done this. It's kind of funny. I don't know if searching Earth Cannon is going to uh, make sense. I didn't think so. So I'm going to try and remember this the best that I can. Um, back when we were testing nuclear bombs, they and they were drilling and doing the underground testing, one of the holes they capped off with this massive manhole cover. And uh, when they tested the bomb, the manhole cover, yeah. So the manhole cover was in frame for like a second, and it, uh, and then it wasn't. I'm trying to look up the exact stuff because you know we're being uh, trying to be. Uh, Educational and not wrong. 
you might be wrong. Yeah. But uh, while oh. you're looking that up, I'm going to finish my statement real quick. Okay. Uh, so they're spinning this thing incredibly fast, and they're shooting it out, and they tested it the other day, and it worked. It was awfully crazy to watch. Like, I had never even heard of this company. And then all of a sudden I'm watching this video and I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. Could it be used to send things, you know, uh, payloads like supplies to the moon or send, you know, who knows what satellites up or there's all kinds of different things that this could potentially do. And they said they can launch up to five times a day, depending on, you know circumstances so yeah that makes sense you're not seeing five rocket launches in a day generally not yet so yeah there, there's some contention to it but to finish up my little story and then we'll we'll talk about uh, uh, uh five launches a day um it may or may not have been the first man-made object into space but when they did the factor, the, the cap was going about six times the escape velocity of Earth, which is 7,000 meters per second. So 42,000 meters per second. But it's a very good possibility that it was just vaporized through the atmosphere because, you know, that's ridiculously fast for a piece of steel. Sure. So... Aside from that, onto the point of the five uh, launches, and that's that's something I was thinking. Like, this would be great for rapid launch because you just you load it up, put a new piece of paper on, spin it up, shoot it again. You've got your your next satellite. The problem is these aren't exactly going to be taking up uh, Hubble telescopes. That was what I thought the limitation would be, is how big of a payload you could actually send up, because this thing's got to be massive just to throw anything. And then you, the more you increase the size of the payload, the bigger you're going to have to make this unit. Yes, and that's that's where they're going to run into problems. I'm guessing their best guess is that 1,000 meters is probably the tipping point. Or how big they can make it versus, you know, safety factors of spinning something that fast. Because, I mean, if you think about it, if you were to if you were to turn this on its side, you've you've just got yourself a uh, uh, massive gun, essentially. Because it's it's acts the same way. You're launching something out of a tube at many times the speed that it should be. Well, and the, you know, theoretically, like, uh, they had talked about, in the video that I watched, they talked about how th experiments of this nature have been done before, such as rail guns. I, I was going to, yeah. Uh, you know, those type of things that shoot projectiles. And, I mean, based on the video I saw, that thing came out like a screaming eagle well and that's that's gonna be the ultimate the other limiting factor to this is will sensitive electronics stand up to this like 
you know, you put your phone in there and you launch it, there's a good chance that, you know, something's not going to... It, it's not going to be in one piece if you were able to recover it because just of the sheer velocity. Like you said, 10,000 Gs, that's a lot. So the, the satellites that they're going to have to try and put up are going to have to be rated to withstand that amount of force, which potentially brings up other problems. Now, I, I'm just going to, just since I brought it up, I'm, I'm going to think about this, but the, the, the first thing that comes to mind with this is you're going to have to have hardened materials or strong composites to withstand the just all the forces involved, which means that they are going to be much more likely to withstand re-entry into the atmosphere. Which means that now, instead of sending up in satellites that are made of aluminum and and components that just melt when they start heating the atmosphere, you've now sent up stuff that can potentially survive coming back through. If that makes sense. Yeah. And part of the uh, part of the other thing that I was going to bring up was, unfortunately, I think in a scale that test worked but you're not going to have a whole lot of control over that thing once it's in the air yeah that's not true well you don't have any engines though i mean theoretically so, you're going to have a vacuum engine but you're not going to have any course correction ability it doesn't that's what rifling is for um so this is something that they have used uh sounding rockets use it a lot but once you you I don't, I don't know if you know what a sounding rocket is but i do it, yeah so they they it's you you pack the rocket you launch it once it gets up into the air you don't have control of it but what happens is it starts spinning just like a a bullet out of a rifled barrel would it starts spinning and it provides the stabilization to keep going straight or where it needs to Right, and, and there's nothing to say that the rocket or the the ship that is the mock-ups they have are all straight carbon fiber fins, which makes sense. And the way the the animations they have on their website show the drum and launching system kind of at a tilted angle, so it would launch at an angle. But this is essentially, like I said, this is a gun. Uh, it, it, you see where I'm going with the uh, the comparison, though. I don't. Wanna... Well, yeah, and I think that's part of the what they were going for, and that's why they likened it in the video to guns, is because people had initially people had said, "Well, why can't we just use guns to shoot things up into space?" Then they've tried. And they have, yes. Um, I think that was possibly one of the more successful ones, too, if I remember, was a gun-based system. But realistically, railguns would be the next closest, but you're still looking at that massive amount of G-Force. And this oh, yeah, is... nothing. None of this is going to be human potential. It's, I mean, all of these concepts are going to be for payloads only. There will be no no humans involved. Yeah. So, 
quiz me this because I was thinking about it. Um, is there not not an actual firearm or anything like that? But wasn't there a toy gun where you had a spinning drum, and it would catch the ammo and fling it out? I see. I've stumped you. Um, a a toy gun that would with a spinning drum. So, like this. This is what I because this reminds me of that and i i just keep thinking of like you know uh some you know do you understand yeah, I, I i'm trying to think of what you're talking about as far as a toy but I, i'm drawing a blank yeah and i'm yeah i was gonna say the first thing that i google is gonna be uh nerf guns but those are I would imagine Nerf guns would come up first no matter what, but. Yeah, I'm just thinking there's, like, it would make sense if you had something that was spinning and you just drop something in it. It makes one rotation at that speed and then just gets launched out. Which which is essentially what they're doing. It's just, you know, on a rocket scale. Kind of. Well, I, I mean, it was, a, it was a cool idea and yeah. for something that you know i hadn't even seen i was i spent a little bit of time digging into it because i found it to be exciting enough to look at but then i i kind of poked holes in its practicalities just because it's it seems limited at the well, point and that's the thing it's like i hate to say it because it's it's always like oh spacex 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 Starship is going to be the defining factor of spaceflight for our, you know, potential future. Um, and it's just because if Starship goes operational and everything works the way they think it's going to, the uh, it's just going to completely revolutionize everything because you're going to have a spacecraft that can launch and do all this stuff repeat re that repeatedly well and so <clears throat> one thing that this thing could be possibly used for the the spin launch so now everybody's on mars right you got let's say you've got a colony on mars and you need to get a supply capsule from Earth to Mars. And instead of sending up a starship, well, man, now that I think about it, a starship's going to be able to hold way more stuff. Than... Yeah, you've, you've got uh, 120 tons versus, you know, a suitcase. Right. And, and that's... That's the limiting factor. Is like, and if they're charging a million dollars, because these, I'm assuming from what I saw, these are going to be like carbon fiber shells. They're going to have, you know, the vacuum engines. It's going to have fuel. It's going to have all of this stuff. And that's all going to keep raising the cost. Like, right well, now. And then. Um... Oh, go ahead. If something, I was just going to say, if something unfortunately goes wrong inside that chamber and one of those things, let's say, gets unlodged and 
I mean, you could say goodbye to that centrifuge. Yeah. But I mean that's the the picture they had it it, it was it looked very simplistic so I I'm not, I wouldn't be worried too much on that. Um it does remind me of SpaceX though like just the theory of hey let's look at uh what do you guys think about spinning something really fast and shooting it into space? Yeah, it's a good idea. Let's do that. And then they did it. Well, I mean, I, I don't fault them. It is a very, uh, it's a very unique idea to it. And if if this was being worked on ten years ago, it would be revolutionary and more newsworthy. But uh, right now, you've got what Electron with their mini launcher. You've got Virgin Galactic with their plane based launcher. Um, you've got. Uh, what's another one that I'm thinking of? There's another one. There's just a, oh, um, the one that we're kind of named beside, uh, Relativity oh. Space. Yeah. Um, you've got all of these companies that are making small sat launchers that are making small sat launchers that are cheaper than the traditional launchers. It, it's going to be a very tough market. And especially, like I said, if if they're charging, you know, a million dollars to go on their spinny gun to space, and Tesla or uh, not Tesla, SpaceX is like, oh hey, yeah, ours is a million dollars too, and we can take up a hundred of your little experiments instead of just one. You know, I feel like someone should have consulted you when you when they named it because Spinny Gun. <laughs> that's way more exciting than Spin Launch. I've got this stupid. I, it's going to drive me nuts. I know I've seen something similar, but where you spin something and yeah, you just get it spinning fast enough, drop something in, and then it will launch out at a specific angle at a target. I just, I can't remember where I've seen it, but it's a very similar concept to this. And like I said, it's, it's, I wish them luck. I hope to see it actually launch because that will be, would be a very unique launch to watch. Kind of like, uh, the sea dragon. Like if that, if that gun had ever earned a gun, stuck on guns too. Uh, if that rocket had ever launched, it would have been. So impressive. Well, yeah, I mean, you would have had, uh, like, even just seeing their test launch was cool. It was, it was kind of an interesting video to see. Just oh no, how I, the whole thing works. Yeah, I absolutely. I, I right before the podcast, I, I spent a good amount of time just watching those videos because it is very fascinating. Like just the amount of ingenuity that is being put into this the fact that it is potentially just being overshadowed by spacex again is it's just yeah see i i'm i'm very torn on this if you can't tell like i like spacex i think spacex is going to be the future of space flight sadly spacex is going to be the the future of space flight there we aren't going to see as many of these innovations when everything's going to be able to be done cheaply 
Well, and you know, money money will probably um that'll be the key, right? That's going to be what's going to cause everyone to either yay or nay a specific product is how much it costs to use. Uh, yeah, that's it's, it's funny. I it was just here to very long discussion on nuclear energy and why people aren't using it or why it's not as and it's the same thing. It's money. It costs so much money to build like a nuclear reactor that it, it just you can't recoup the costs, especially when, you know, throwing up a wind turbine or a coal plant are just cheaper, easier and faster. And, right, uh, and if you've got, I mean, these guys clearly had investors, so oh there yeah, was people, you know, there's people who are interested enough to invest money in it, and so they're going to have to make a re a return on that eventually. So they will send stuff to space. See, if you want my opinion on technology that could potentially change space travel, th this is my opinion from years of thinking about it. There is an engine called the... I'm going to forget what it's called. Good God. Uh, M-Drive. No, it's the... Um, it's the one that does both. Ramjet. Not Ramjet. Oh. The M-Drive... The M-Drive was finally put to bed. They decided it? it just doesn't... Yeah. They decided that... Uh, after doing all the tests and the calculations that it just doesn't work. That doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Uh, I searched the wrong thing. Anyway, there is a rocket that I cannot think for the life of me think of that uses oxygen both in air breathing and closed. So open and closed cycle. And uh, the reason this is important is because you can – a lot of the fuel, like when SpaceX or any rocket company launches a, a rocket from Earth, those engines have oxygen. So the rocket has to carry oxygen. Even though it's launching from atmosphere, it has to carry oxygen to use to burn because it can't pull in oxygen from the outside. Uh Oh, I'm trying to think of it. But and it's 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 cooled oxygen, right? We're talking liquid oxygen. Yeah, so it, it's liquid oxygen. And uh Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Yeah, so liquid oxygen is what uh gets pushed through at the beginning. And that with the dual jet it turns into um i i've completely lost my train of thought chris <laughs> like, like I, I don't know where i went with that i just uh do you want to go on and uh check out our chat real quick and yeah i know i've already done it all right Sorry, guys. We had a little housekeeping we had to do. Uh, people coming into the chat that we don't need in there. But uh, switching gears, John. One Please thing, do. and I, 
<laughs> I forgot to tell you about this this morning. Yeah, see, please do, because you're stumbling. Uh, that's okay. Uh, I was super bummed to find out that they postponed the Artemis mission again. Surprising. Yeah, you. So obviously, you can for those tell who... the sarcasm. <laughs> for those of you who uh, who don't know, the Artemis mission was. Uh, the moon so that that was the mission that they have planned to send back to the moon and it was slated for 2024 we were super excited because i think a moon mission is going to be absolutely fantastic it's close it's only three days to get there and the pictures that we would be able to see from the moon i just feel like are going to be absolutely outstanding but now they've post postponed it to 2025 it won't matter. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't matter in the long run. Everyone knew it was going to be postponed again. Because um, that's just, it, it's unfortunately NASA. And I know, uh, but it, it could just be because I am, you know, maybe just excited for the mission and want to see it succeed so that I can see pictures from the moon. But... I don't know. It just it bums me out because it. I just want it to be here. I guess. No, I agree. It's. I think it's going to be quicker than you think, because SpaceX isn't going to stop working on it. It, it. Bezos could sue NASA every day for the next year. It's not going to slow down SpaceX. That's a given. Um. Well, but. But they haven't shown any, I mean, granted, we know that Musk is more importantly focused on Mars, but they haven't shown anything that I can see that they're even looking at going to the moon. Who? I know that they're trying to build the lander for the moon. Oh, you're So, well, and that's just it. They are going to the moon, though. Well, they're, I think Dear Moon was pushed to Starship. I could be wrong on that. But the... Uh... See, that's the thing is, what if they just decide they're going to go without NASA? NASA can't stop and be like, no, please don't go to the moon without us. That would make us sad. It's like, there, there's nothing... Well, at, at this, because they have the lander contract, I would imagine it, it doesn't behoove them to go earlier than than with NASA because NASA can just pull the contract, but it doesn't matter. They, they've that's the thing is they're not going to pull the contract. It's just the whole Artemis program was built around using antiquated old ass tech. That is why it was. If you look at everything, it's designed and looks like the Apollo missions, just with extra steps. That's what it is. The The Artemis mission is the Apollo mission with extra steps. And then you have Starship. In theory, Starship could take up the whole Artemis lunar gateway, the lander, or not the lander, the gateway, because the Starship is the lander, and the vehicle to take the astronauts there all at once. It could do the entire mission on its own, in theory. Yeah. And 
you still have NASA wanting to do this tiny little lunar gateway, which it's tiny. Like you're going to hook Starship up to it. It's going to be like the solar panels on the ISS versus, you know, the ISS. Those solar panels are what makes it you be able to see the ISS from the ground. It's going to be what the Starship is. It's going to be this massive thing hooked up to this tiny little platform. Well, and then there's a lot of ethical stuff with it, though, right? Because NASA is saying, we don't want to build this gigantic lunar gateway on the moon and then take over the moon with, you know, a bunch of crap, right? But you... So here's my, my point with Artemis. I don't like Artemis. I think the Artemis program is a bit on the um, ridiculous side. Why not contract SpaceX to build? Because they're already talking about wanting to build another or space station, right? So yep. you have one in space at in Earth's orbit. You have one at in Mars, in lunar orbit. You have a ship that can ferry and go between the two. The three-day trip. It's not that far. If you said you said Mars, John. Did I say Mars? I I was doing this in the space engineer stream last week too. I kept saying ion instead of hydrogen. Uh, or vice versa. So you have you have your space station around Earth, you have your space station around Mars, you have starships that fly in between the two doing all sorts of scientific y stuff. Okay, hold on, hold on. So I'm confused. You said Mars again. Are I you meant talking the moon. about the moon. Okay, so you're saying we have a space station on the moon. Yes. And then we have the ISS. Yeah, well, ISS replacement, yes. Okay. Sorry, I just had to clarify because things were getting a little confusing. So Because I keep saying, yeah, no. No Mars. Mars, if I said Mars, it was the moon. Okay. Mars comes next. Well, and theoretically, that would be the, the jumping point, right? Because... Once you get to, if you could get fuel to the moon, which would be cool, you could fly to the moon in three days. Well, most of your fuel, well, almost all your fuel gets burned up just getting out of Earth's atmosphere. So then you go to the moon and refuel. Now you can shoot over to Mars, right? Yeah. And, and that's, that's my thing is like, if you go back and look, most of the ISS was built using the shuttle, which had the large bay and had the room to carry lots of stuff up into space. Now you have Starship, which is going to have a very similar cargo capacity. Why not use it to rebuild the, you know, rebuild and build a larger space station? Because if you built the Lunar Gateway, like... If I walked up to a random person and said, if I told you, what would a lunar gateway look like to you? People would think like a massive structure that could house, you know, you'd have spaceships flying in and out of and all of that jazz. When in reality, it's two capsules and some solar panels. Doesn't exactly spark imagination. I saw a Ferris wheel. I don't know why. Well, see, and that's just it. It's like you, you have this envision from sci-fi movies that a gateway is supposed to be, you know, like a hub. Uh, you know, a way to actually do stuff. In reality, they've got it as it's it's a couple modules and some solar panels. 
So essentially, essentially, you're talking like it would be a a base in the Arctic, where yeah, like McMurdo. Yeah, so they they essentially have just a small outpost building where everybody works out of, and that's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we go by SpaceX's thoughts that they're going to have starships flying up and down, you know, constantly, you know, they want five launches a day or ten launches or whatever, whatever ridiculous amount of launches they want a day. You have people going up and down. So not only could you use this lunar gateway as a massive tourist destination, because, you know, if you could say, hey, $10,000 and go on a week and a half long trip and stay in the moon resort or, you know, you orbit the moon and then catch a ride back to Earth and back down on a starship. How many people would do that if it was reasonably priced? I think I would even raise my hand on that. And I'm the guy who doesn't want to leave Earth. So I don't know why I like the moon. I think going to the moon would be super fun. But I think if that was the case, I would even sign up for that. See, like, if most cruises are ridiculously expensive, and I understand that they're all-inclusive and you're spending multiple weeks on a boat, boats are expensive. But it's like, if if you focus that and flipped it around to, like, taking a starship up and, you know, stopping at the ISS to get supplies and move stuff around. And then, you know, or, you know, ISS 2.0, where you get to spend a night in ISS orbiting earth and, you know, all of the views that that would entail. Then you hop back on the starship and it takes you to the moon for three days. You know, you get a three day trip out to the moon, spend a couple days on the moon and then right back to earth. Like that would be a vacation of a lifetime. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now like, here's this is going to be the dumb one of the dumber questions I've ever thrown at you, John. Go. What's the? Uh, <laughs> I you you said all inclusive on cruises and then vacation, and it made me think of like boozing it up. Uh, what do you think your tolerance would be on the moon? Well, I mean, the, the the theory goes that, you know, the higher up you go, the, the easier it is to get drunk. So I, I'm going to assume that most of the bartenders would limit you to, like, a shooter. Uh, right. You would... <laughs> I'm just guessing your, uh, your BAC would go up rather well, quickly while being on the moon. The other thing to think about would be that that would be a lot of... I mean, this is something that would be like 20, 30 years down the road, but it would be interesting to see how that would play out because that, that, that's something that we could honestly debate on for probably quite a while is just the, uh, the potential for, you know, what would and would not be acceptable on a vacation to the moon. That, that may have to come for a later podcast. Well, and the debate would also have to turn into, like, uh, I think gravity generation. I mean, granted, that's just theory and sci-fi at this point, but, you know, it's if not they could come... possible, though. That, that's, that's well within practicality, though. You just need... I say practicality. I don't know the exact physics, obviously. 
not not any well versed enough but you just you have a rotating habitat section that that's not so much i was talking more along the lines of like alcohol and um alcohol other things like that you know adult time well yes but i'm saying it would be hard hey kirk looks like he's about in sweet yes i left uh, i just left uh bartending uh, hanging out with <laughs> a bunch of drunks and i come do a podcast and thanks for reminding me of work you should- <laughs> <laughs> i got to say we're just talking about- you like the the concept though kirk we were talking about uh lunar vacations okay so, so vacation on the moon. Yes. Right. So if you if if they were to establish like a four star hotel on the moon and or you could in go orbit. up and Yeah, and you could go up and stay there for like three days and you know, have a little like almost like a cruise but in space. Um how how much do you think it would take to get drunk because there is no atmosphere? So okay, so in Colorado, there's less oxygen, so people. It's like when you drink here and you go other places, you're like a champ. So like space would be like ten times that. Yeah, that's my thought. Yeah, oh, you'd I'd... have to crush the mini bar. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm guessing probably not the most responsible thing to do when you're in space because. You yeah. Know. Well, that—that's kind of what we were. My point was, it's like there's certain things you probably don't want to do in space, like throw up. I—I I, I can't yes, envision <laughs> that being enjoyable. Yeah, that—that's gonna go. That's gonna go everywhere. Yeah, that's uh, an abstract painting in real life in 3D. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, also, um, you know, forgetting not to take off your. Uh, well, I guess in that sense, you would be in a controlled oxygen environment, but still, it would be, um, it wouldn't be good. Well, and you think if you're you're going all the way to space, you think you'd want to remember it. You know what I mean? Like, why you spend all that time and energy and effort, and then you're hungover, and you're not, you know, I, oh, I want to lay down. I don't want to look at anything. What? You know, you just wasted three days, right? Well, well plus, like, 50% of people get sick when they go to space anyway, so... You probably already have enough problems on your on your plate, but that's, that should that would be a shock to the system. It's like altitude sickness times a million. It's way higher than <laughs> yes, going to ten thousand feet. <laughs> uh, John, another little housekeeping thing here. Could you possibly move your circle? What circle? Oh, I have. <laughs> Kirk's name has. Uh... Uh, yeah, it was. By just... the way, did you see the quickness? Did you see? Come on, a new name. Ah, bartender Buckout. All right, not that original, but hey, I'm look. It's a numbers game. This is what are we on thirty seven? Yeah, episode thirty seven. Huh? Who would have thunk it? <laughs> two, two guys who can't even count to thirty seven somehow make it. And by the way, your mustache is it? Was it an attempt to make a filter? for your nose to try to make the stink. That's what I'm picturing. Uh, 
it's like a it's, it's, it's a nose filter. Like okay, so another one like you say uh, was it you say mustache, I say hair lip. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I mean, you know, make fun of my mustache all you want. It's Look, awesome. I w- I wasn't here for the first half, so I feel I am playing catch up. I'm, I got it. <laughs> right. Fair enough. Uh, all right. John, you're pale. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. I didn't have to. I'm now. I wasn't clever. I, <laughs> I already made fun of him for that, Kirk. I I was yes. trying to fill your fill your shoes. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So just my shoes are just basically being mean, just giving rib kicks, verbal rib kicks for no good reason, but except for fun. And then we so we talked about the spin launch. That one was pretty fun. And then. Uh, we, is there gonna some, be is there gonna be a rinse lunch? All right, hey oh. Okay, <laughs> all right, never mind. Okay. I I, got, I take that away. We got over to uh to the Moonlanders. Uh because they pushed the Artemis mission back another year. Which was the next NASA moon mission. So we've been kind of chit chatting about that and then I think in the last little bit, John, you did want to something we haven't done in a long time. 3D printing, yeah, three. We haven't brought up 3D printing, which is one of the things we initially started this podcast on. Which then we fell in, well, into a space run. Right. The, the the sad thing about I don't know how it's been for you, Chris, but like my printer's been mostly quiet for the last like four months ish. You know, ever since. So, we, the initial wore off. Like, how many months was it exciting and new? And then it kind of well, gets just gets it, boring. It's not that. It's just like, for me, every time I hit a major like problem, it, it kills the the just the momentum. Like for my my new Pressa, uh, it needed a new nozzle, which was fine. I put a new nozzle on, and then. As Chris knows, every time you replace a nozzle, you have to kind of fine tune it back to you know to get it back to where it, it was. T- it takes a while to get it back synced up. Like it's a little like it's yeah. a new thing, so it's, yeah. it's it's globby, it's thin or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like changing your guitar strings, Kirk. You know how they're just not they sound a little weird in the beginning. It takes a while to break them in, and it, yeah. it, 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 it's got to hit the sweet spot. So, and that that's the biggest problem. Like the other problem I have is. I've got two other printers. My my old Pressa, the the heat bed's dead, and I I don't I don't even want to think about having to to work that because I just spent a hundred dollars replacing the hot end on it, and I don't I don't really want to look and see how much a new heat bed is for that thing or the amount of work it would take to get the bed off to put a new one on. Like that's it's not something I want to think about. It's odd Pressa because it has the same name as uh, it sounds like it should be in the Wu Tang clan. <laughs> <laughs> Give it up for Pressa, everybody. Come on. <laughs> on the ones and the twos. I don't know. So, so, <laughs> so what you're saying is that heat bed ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> that could be exactly what I once said. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but the all right the reason we wanted to bring up uh 3d printing is one of the things because i was trying to be all you know controversial and get likes or something um when i started doing 3d printing and researching into it 
a lot of people were like, you need to store your filament in a dry, uh, dehumidified box. It needs to stay dry, yada, yada, yada. Humidity will cause problems, all this other shit. Um, I don't, I don't attest to that. And to prove it, I have five-and-a-half-year-old filament. Now, this filament has never printed great to begin with because it's transparent and it's old. But I tried to print this uh, ornamental Gengar, and it... Uh, Did you have to initiate the Gengar? <laughs> it, it, it didn't... Uh, the supports are just as hard as the, the, the print. It's There's issues. And then one of the comments I got on the video was, you need to hydrate your filament. It's too dry. It's just the humidity. There's, it's very dry in Colorado. There's no moisture in the air, and it just sucks the... So you well, got it. That's it's what the same with me. It's, it's the same with guitars. It's the sa- you're supposed to do that, like humidity packs. This is crazy. It's just, so here's here's the thing. So he posed this question to me, and when uh, filament is shipped to you, it's shipped in a vacuum sealed bag with silica gel. Yes, which means their 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 whole goal is to suck as much moisture out as possible. So I think that it is. I mean, the the theory is that you want to keep it completely dry. Don't introduce moisture to it. Otherwise, it changes the composition and gets it brittle. But what if you? It's, but if you live like someplace coastal, like by the, you know what I mean, like some like San like, Diego, I, it, you know, it wouldn't be a problem. Well, and I could. This, see, is this a dry? Is this a dry? You know, Phoenix, Vegas, like Colorado. I, could, I can see places where the humidity is super high, which is not a lot of the U.S. I found out that. You know, you know, maybe you want to keep your your filament dry in a, a dehumidified area, but I've now run into the exact opposite problem where we live in a, an area that has no humidity. Like Colorado yesterday was twenty two percent, and my filament is too dry because it's too brittle now. Like it cracked because it it's too brittle, and the comment I got was, "Oh, it needs to be, it needs to have." essentially needs to be put in a humidifier and i'm like this is the exact opposite of why i was really against people that put it in dehumidifying boxes right well and at a certain point too i think it's like they they do the same thing with the guitars where essentially like if uh, i guess if it was a really really nice guitar and you wanted to take care of it and you know you wanted to sound amazing and maybe you're a professional musician but on a certain level you're kind of like it it seems like fine tuning at a certain point, you know what I mean? Or like how, how amazing do we need, do we need to make a Mozart? You know what I mean? And, and theoretically a roll of filament costs you 20 bucks. And if you get a month out of your filament, I think you should just be happy with it. Well, like why that's... spend all that extra time trying to save a five and a half year old filament? Well, and that's See, it's it's, it's not worth it. The filament's so cheap. It's like this is not breaking well, my balls. And, this... and that's the other thing that kind of annoyed me because earlier today when I, I was looking up three D printing TikToks and I I saw one where he made some comment and put his filament in this auto drying box to get fed into his printer, and I'm like, and one of the comments were like, "How much does that cost?" And he's like, "Oh, it costs way less than having to buy a new roll or replace rolls." And I'm like. 
What? Does it? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> if you're initially, <laughs> I'm like, if you're if you're buying a roll of filament and you're you're printing in a hobbyist or you know if your printer's running at least two or three days a week, you should go through a roll of filament within a month. If not, like Chris said, it's twenty dollars. If you're twenty dollars a month on a hobby, is not bad. Is worth losing. It's yeah. like, okay with that. If that's an all right, and, it's like it's like when you go and you gamble and like, well, I paid for the. It was the entertain. I lost, but I was being entertained, so it's all right. Like you know. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's. I I get so annoyed by this. It's like, oh yeah, buy these products, and then he. he I don't know if it's affiliated or or if he was affiliated or was getting a kickback from. The company, but he put the the Kickstarter link in for the the filament drying thing. So I'm like, odds are, yeah, yeah. I'm like, of. so he's getting paid to promote this stupid, probably hundred dollar or more filament dryer. And I'm like, that that's not. Most people are not going to need that. Right. It's 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 I don't know. Like it's snake oil salesman. Hey, here's the tonic that'll make your 3D printing the best forever, and you can. Uh, it's like ah. Well, and, and then you know, my, they don't do my, it. My favorite one, Kirk, was back in the Great Depression. The uh, there was a mail order catalog that was selling uh, solar powered clothes dryers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and they they were. It's the sun, stupid. It's the same. Yeah, yeah, they would literally send you Layers. like a, a string. It was a clothesline. Yeah. It was a clothesline. Oh. Yeah. They'd send you a string and a two nails or whatever. And that was, yeah, solar powered. How much? That's, well, yeah. <laughs> Only three easy payments of 1995. <laughs> you know, you're like, that's capitalism as fine, especially like kind of a dick move. Kind of a dick move. You <laughs> like know like solar storm like, insurance. <laughs> I uh, I just feel sorry for the people that were like, oh, solar powered clothes dryer. I'll never have to. St- oh, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> so the only other thing I was going to bring up about 3D printing was that there was definitely. And I don't know if Chris can attest to this, but like 3D printing really didn't take off until around 2010, 11, when the patents expired so this is for as far as hobbies go outside of like drones and even then th- this also kind of applies you run into a lot of people that uh are very elitist in their attitudes towards the hobby because you know they were in on the ground floor they, they they're the ones that helped you know figure out a lot of this shit they're they're the punk band. They they knew the band before they were big. Yeah, and it's you hear a lot of this like, oh well, you know, I could see that people, you know, getting the filament and then like, oh, but I get way better prints if I keep it, you know, in this plastic box with uh, with silica packets. Well, and John, I was thinking about this, and it's like every hobby that you get into is full of accessories right everything's got accessories for what doesn't matter what it is woodworking fishing hunting any of the hobbies that one might do you're always buying accessories for everything right 3d 3D printing doesn't have a lot of accessories so for them to sell you a dry box 
It makes sense to me because there's not a whole lot else you can no, sell me I, other than I a printer. get that, but you could, like, there's been a lot of companies that have ex- experimented with, like, modular printers. Um, oh, but by, by the way, Drybox is the worst pet name <laughs> to give. Just, just never. Not that one. Okay, carry on. <laughs> but see, and that's I, I get what you're saying. Like from a from a, a, a perspective of the manufacturers, like Presa or Ender or, uh, or not Ender Creality, um, you know they they have to sell. You can only sell so many printers before people stop stop needing printers. Uh, but then so you, then you have, you have to sell them stuff to attach to their printer. Well, but if you look at companies like Pressa, who you know they sold the the Mark II, and then they sold the upgrade kit for the Mark II S, and they sold the Mark II S, and you know they they sell the upgrade kit, so you can just buy the upgrade, which costs significantly less than you know a brand, the whole printer, and just upgrade your your printer and as far as i know no other company does that outright because i know creality doesn't because their printers are cheap and they just i'm assuming expect you to uh, most of the chinese based ones they just expect you to buy the new printer you know even buying upgrades for creality stuff is kind of stressful because i bought yeah but the average layman too john just can't like I'm going to throw myself out there under the bus and say, I'm not going to upgrade my printer because I wouldn't even know where to start. Well, I, I do get no, that. And it's always annoying as a not, as another non-computer guy, it seems every goddamn time my computer keeps saying upgrade. Hey, upgrade, upgrade. You want to upgrade, upgrade. I'm like, it's working fine. And then I upgrade and then it stops working. I'm like, God damn it. Like I'd rather be functional and archaic as opposed to the most up-to-date paperweight. Yeah. Right. And if you can, if you can, if I could just buy the whole thing and just, that's it. All I got to do. All right. Well, I don't want to tinker with all the wires and the upgrades and the, well, yeah, I get that. But on the same, on the same level, 3d printing, you inherently have to have that tinkering mindset though, because there's stuff you have to do to get it to work correctly there's no 3d printer out there that will work 100 percent of the time for... so you're saying like it's not a um you're all, all in you're not it's not a half in half out if you're going to get into this it's very you get into the you have the to have at least it. a basic understanding of how to tinker stuff like chris knows how hmm. to change a nozzle it's it's not you know like car level where you have to do x amount of sophisticated things to get you know your oil changed it's, i don't have to put on overalls the biggest thing <laughs> is you know but you should nothing wrong with overalls come on the biggest uh, thing is like i am not over overalls anyway go ahead <laughs> nozzles and <laughs> filament jams and you know stuff like that and, and leveling the bed that's the big one is is there's a lot of like minute tinkering that you have to do, and there's very few. Pr- there's almost no printers that will 100% do that for you every single time. It so can what, be annoying for sure. What, yeah. Is, okay. So what about okay? So as a person who's willing to do that and likes that tinkering aspect, is there a way to make it dumb it down to the point where if you're just a, a 
you don't want to get to that deep, but you want basics, it can still be fun? Or is it, you know what I mean? Use like, a print-on-demand service at that point. Or a, a maker's workshop. It would be used like in sweatshops almost. As well, like no, to no, replace, no. So, it's just going to repeatedly make widgets. No, no, um, I, John, I think your argument has all gone to crap because I 3D print. So that says No, I, I get that. But Kirk's talking about if, you know, if you yes, don't want to put in the, the any effort, like there's makers, um, there's spaces where you can go and there's 3D printers readily available that are run by the community or maintained by the community. And you go in, be like, this is what I want to print. Yeah, I don't know how they work because I've never used one. I would assume you pay for the filament or anything like that. And so there's like a play, like a library, like a community oh, yeah. center where I'm like, I want this. Can you make well, me a Yeah. And they have the, the CNC machines or the, the laser cutters or the laser engravers, all of that. And you I'm assuming you have to pay for either the access or the you know, something to like, all right. I need to Well, if you keep saying CNC, I'm going to make a CNC music factory joke. So, can you <laughs> I'm, just, just, I'm listening to you, and then I get a bam, 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 bam. Okay. I'm not going to do more, but you guys know. So, I'm looking well, like Pikes Peak has a maker space, <laughs> and it's. So, yeah, you have to just re reserve your, your equipment. They've got. Two engravers, uh, a bunch of 3D printers, a vinyl cutter, a table saw, CNC router, metal lathe, a CNC mill and lathe. Yeah, it, it's got a no. bunch of stuff. You just... You know how you're a true craftsman when you can work on a... Um... Oh, uh, what the seesaw? Damn it! What was that? Yeah. Huh? Ah, oh, the the joke fell apart. I had it and then it slipped out. It was the uh. rocking. You're a true craftsman if you use a rocking seesaw. That's difficult, you know. No? Okay. Okay. Uh, well, no, I just John, found the, I found the prices. Uh, for a lifetime membership. $5,000. Dang. Hmm. But for a monthly student membership, it's 30 I guess it depends on how much you use it. Yeah. You know I mean? like if, you, if you use it tons, it's worth it. If you're a, you know, a weekend warrior, you're like, ah, screw that. But I mean, it, it's... Yeah, it, it would be... Like, if... I didn't have like I obviously I don't I wouldn't qualify as a student for an individual it would be fifty five dollars a month. It's not great, and over a year I would have just been able to buy like a, a press a printer myself. The, the the difference being that like if I wanted to use a laser engraver, I I don't have one of those, and a, a really good laser engraver or a cutting machine is thousands of dollars. And the fact that they've got, yeah, they even have a Pressa. So they have a Pressa, they have a Taz. Um, this sounds like, John, a, a start to an infomercial for this. Uh, <laughs> but right. that, that's... And, and they, they have a Tasmanian Devil that is awesome, but I actually saw one, nothing like the cartoon. It was <laughs> bullshit. Big disappointment. I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent. I'm just saying, like, 
there are spaces that are available for people who are not technically inclined that, you know, can do a lot of stuff. You you have to be very focused on what you want to do. But, yeah. Well, hey, uh, John, I think it is that time of night we're starting to, to run to it. So let's... Let's jump over to Kirk's corner since he's here and see what he's got for us this week. Now, I just show up, yeah, before my, it, oh, it's you got still catch up. No, <laughs> we we weren't sure, and I was like, I was I was gonna do a trash can on a raccoon, but look. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not gonna try to hide it from Chris anymore. When are the flies coming around <laughs> Chris's name? Seriously, come on, that's all I want. I just want on the just like I said, like. There's this normal in space, and oh, there's flies because why? He, <laughs> he smells that. Wow! Come on. All right. Well, hey, I'm. Uh, thanks for having me late. I missed the half of the. Sh- you know what? I'm assuming it went well. How about that? Uh, I, I heard nothing, but n- nobody said anything bad about it in between me getting here. So that's something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, hey. It's time for the Kirk's Corner. So I did another a comedian's uh, a comedian's dozen, except this time no list because uh, let's mix it up. And I didn't have time. But anyway, there's here, here's twelve jokes. Are you guys ready for some? Bring some, it some silliness. All right, here we go. Okay, so here we go. All right, here's my. This is a PE coach. This is a PE coach filling in for the home ec teacher. All right, PE coach filling in for the home ec teacher. All right. I want to see more meat hustle out there and a little less meat loafing. Okay. Um, come meat. Okay. You know what? One meatloaf joke wasn't enough. Here's another one. Okay. So meatloaf, American classic. Meat loafers, bad idea. They attract <laughs> bears on camping trips and your dog never brings them back to you. <laughs> They're made. Come on. Tug is eating that. All right. Two meatloaf jokes right off the bat. And it's nothing about the singer. Okay. Speaking of music, how about Sawdust in the Wind should have been a huge hit for the Carpenters. Uh, hashtag missed opportunity. Am I right? I'm hashtagging <laughs> it for the young people. I'm going for the, the young, the demographic, the young folk. Yeah. Um, Here's another one. Uh, white water rafting only signs are not racist. They're not. Oh. It's, it's wow. for your own. own. Now, all right. How about Sherlock Holmes? Sherlock Holmes lived in an apartment. All right. That's Sherlock Holmes. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. How about this one? Uh, Dick trickle down economics works better than trickle down economics. The race car driver? Come on. You guys yeah, are... Uh, I got you. All right. All right. All right. All right. Um, okay. The night... Okay. Here's a nightmare gig for hypnotist. Has to be a room full of insomniacs. Think about it. You're getting <laughs> sleepy. Nope. <laughs> Your eyes are getting heavy. Boy, are you barking up the wrong tree. Now, <laughs> strap in, Sparky. It's going to be a long night. <laughs> Um, <laughs> or uh, here's the, if uh, Pinocchio got a nose job, would it grow back? Because <laughs> it's technically a fib. It's not as 
<laughs> I mean, so just whoop, God damn it. <laughs> and speaking of Pinocchio, Pinocchio is his insurance company didn't even cover his case of Dutch elm disease and termites <laughs> because they said they were pre-existing conditions. Damn it. <laughs> um, all right. Here's, you know what? Bo, Bo knows. Bo doesn't know Bono. Okay. It's just, it's, it's so close. They think, all right. Um, how about narcissists love self-checkout? Uh-huh. Um, okay. Shitting the bed, not recommended. Dry sheeting the bed, encouraged. Uh-huh. Dry she- it's, it's, it's pleasant. It smells better. Softer. Right. Um, oh, uh, my emotional support animal ate my security blanket. <laughs> Hashtag bad dog. <laughs> um okay i think we got like two oh wait one more no no, no. okay here we go here's the last <laughs> okay so here's the last one uh drum roll can you get drum roll can you go brrr? i don't know if you could hear that i was drum rolling okay, okay yeah you actually have a drum set anyway okay so <laughs> here's the thing uh the prostitute on the environmentally conscious corner was called the leaf blower. Oh. Leaf, come on. <laughs> that's, uh-huh. da, 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 da. you saved the dirty one for last. That's right. Just, that's comedy 101. With my drum set, I needed a rim shot right there. Yeah, can we work on some sound effects? Like, you know, some, but come on, a rim shot. Eventually, perfect. eventually. Okay, so any did any of those stick in your craw or uh, further discussion? I like the Pinocchio one. Pinocchio yeah, I was gonna say the the Pinocchio one is that's solid. <laughs> there, I mean, nice, much All like right. Pinocchio's nose. <laughs> yeah, some sort, you know, because like he he turned into a boy, but he's like, hey, oh, oh, and yeah. Well, okay, so maybe we can make a shirt out of that one too. There you go. I got already got ideas, Kirk. I can make it happen. Excellent. Okay. Hey, well, that was, so that was, let's, let's get the hell out of Kirk's corner and then wrap this show up. Cause I feel it's nice sitting, but I'm tired. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, st- I'm going to pull a John. No, we all, no, we soldier through, but yeah. So, and I don't, I don't have an off topic cause I was, I was on my feet for seven hours. So you get your own off topic. Yeah, I think uh I think we're going to go ahead and just wrap it up there. I uh we ended up making it longer than I thought we would, John. So, yeah. I I can give you my my quick fix for uh for capitalism. No. We're not. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I'm, we're right around the 70 we're in the sweet spot. No, save hold that thought. Well, you know what? We'll talk about it next week on show number 38. I, Holy cow. I successfully stalled John from getting that into the podcast. So I'll just make a TikTok uh, about it. You know, <laughs> that's cool. I don't have to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I, I will talk about this. I honestly <laughs> yes. think it is a good fix for everything. But okay, that that being said, I think uh, Kirk's tired. John wants to talk about things I don't want to talk about. And... <laughs> Two against three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you, everybody, for coming in and listening to me and John's and Kirk's 
quarter of an episode, but uh, we appreciate you coming out and listening. Uh, we look forward to next week, episode 38. Uh, John, got anything to wrap it up with other than capitalism? Tomorrow is Space Engineers. And then, ah. judging by the, uh, the, the what we've gotten, I don't know when we're going to do the next uh, Free the Game, but I have a bunch of stuff for that, too. Yeah, maybe Sunday. Uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow night during the next stream for Space Engineers. Uh, Kirk, got anything? No, tip your bartenders. <laughs> Good advice to live by. All right, well then, for me, uh, Kirk and John, thank you all again for listening. We will see you next week, and go boldly, friends.